1: Oh, that's beautiful. That transported me into a world.
0: I know. I'm ready to go now.
1: Me too. Welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. On today's show... Why does it feel so good to sing with others? Dr. Asal Habibi tells us about the benefits of going choral. And driving instructor Josh Mendoza answers Paula's questions about rules of the road. If your turn light is out and your window is broken, is it okay to open your door and shout, I'm turning left! (laughs) I'm Adam Felber, your discussion traffic cop. And now, please welcome the woman who double parks in a single space, Paula
2: Poundstone!
1: Yeah! Welcome, Paula, and thank you to tonight's house band, bassoonist Amber Wyman. All right, it's great to have a bassoon on the show, right?
0: Yeah, I think we have to be the only... Show that's ever had a bassoon as the house Houseband. band. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we might people be breaking new ground. People don't think along those lines, and yet they will now. Now
1: that they're all going to be like, yeah, we'd like to have a house band, but where are we going to find a bassoon this time of night? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're going to be thinking. Yeah, they're going to say that. So, Paula, you've been, I know, spending this last month kind of fascinated with hurricane season. It's hurricane season. It's
0: hurricane, it's season. hurricane season. And, yeah. you know,
1: I don't I don't even, I haven't even picked out my outfits yet for it. It's almost over.
0: It's, uh, you got to get the right <laughs> shoes. I, uh... I'll tell you, um, I, you know, obviously the, the the flooding and the suffering and the damage and the, the lives. Uh, t- no, uh,
1: You're anti-death t- and suffering. T-
0: I'm anti-death and suffering and, and damage and mold. Um, well, but, we, we, uh, we,
1: you have well-established anti-mold cred on this show already. We had yeah, a mold expert on to talk to you about We, it. we have. Yeah. I still
0: have mold in my ceiling. But the coverage right. on the news, I have long believed... I don't really trust a newsman who doesn't have the good sense to come in out of the rain. Right. You know, the coverage where they stand in the rain. Yeah. uh, I was watching during, um, which one was it? First one of the season? Yeah. That was
1: Florence. Yeah. I was watching during- decimated the Carolinas. I
0: was watching during Florence at one point because it was not, uh, I mean, it it was very bad. But it actually, the hurricane itself, not the after effects, but the right. hurricane itself was not as bad as they had anticipated.
1: No, the winds were down to in the range of like 80 to 90 miles an hour, I think, for most of it. Even,
0: yeah, even- I can't even, even remember. It's a
1: long time ago. It
0: was a long time ago. But uh, I think it's, I was watching on MSNBC and I think it was what, Ali Belshi, I think is the guy's name, the bald guy with the glasses from uh, I can, MSNBC. I can picture I'm him. I'm looking right at you he saying looks like the bald guy with I, the glasses. Yeah,
1: I know. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm um, going to ignore that.
0: Uh, he, that funny looking guy. Yeah, the the bald guy with the glasses. Yeah, yeah There's so Don't few it like it that. Creep. Um, he was in front of the ocean, and he had his you know black slicker. He had his hood up. And he was talking and talking and finally he confessed that it was not raining anymore and he took his hood off. Oh wow. And, I mean there's you know you can see in their faces the disappointment. Right. that it wasn't because they already editorially allocated a certain amount of time yeah. and a certain amount of news people and cameras and if the storm so, lets them down. Right, exactly. Right. You can there's a there's a certain the 24-hour news coverage has left in general a certain dripping with blood ca- Quality about the you know about the on-air reporters. They're sad when
1: somebody isn't dripping with blood, is what you're saying.
0: They seem to be. They're they're a little bit like you. They don't like suffering. They're bloodthirsty. They really are. They want to. You know, I'm pretty
1: sure. Shoot an idea at you. Tell yeah. And it's this: television is a visual medium. So as much as I kind of like your point of why are they standing out in the storm? I'd be really sad if I turned on a TV and they were like, I'm safe and snug inside this high school gym. There's a storm raging outside, but you know, you're not going to see it. There's such a thing as a window.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there's stick, reflex- like, as a guy who's
1: worked in television a lot, you know as, well as I window, do.
0: Open the window. Stick the camera out the window, and we'll believe you. You know open what? Open the window during a hurricane? Yes. We have. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, get a cross crosswind. Um... Look at we in, live in very
1: bad advice, people. If you're listening, we live in, in hurricane Southern, territory. No, I'm right not now. talking
0: about generally. I'm talking about if you're recording it, right? In from so for find the a news. safe
1: indoor location, open a window, and shoot out the window. <laughs> That's what I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, now uh, we don't at, have we, to do a segment on should you be a TV news producer.
0: No, I know. I I look at we live in Southern California, right. and we've been in drought you know, forever. We've had record-breaking heat waves in recent years. And there's never been one... Weather guy that's gone and stood in the desert, right? And said, "Oh my God, I can hardly breathe look out here. Look at this sweat. Yeah, would you yes. look? Do I do I look that's like i That's when burning? you need a bald guy. Yeah, am I burning? <laughs> I feel like I'm burning. Can you come in tight on yeah. these sweat stains? Yeah. Could you do that? Get,
1: get get Al Ali, what's his name, to, to go out to, to go out west? Yeah, he'd be, his, his head would be shiny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no you know, do I yeah. do I
0: seem dehydrated? Do I seem dehydrated? I'm gonna
1: once again. Play devil's advocate and submit that looking at something that is hot is also not great television, as opposed to a storm blowing. It is all if over they the
0: act hot. It's act up to hot. that's, that's so what you're they're asking doing. For they actors a lot now. of times they were acting windblown when they weren't. Okay. And they and so yeah, so they should so act we need mimes hot to walk into the wind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, I, it's just a no, thing. No, no, it's, it's, it's a, a thing, thing, thing that I feel.
1: If you feel it, you should say it cuz it's your podcast and as we keep saying nobody's listening. Exactly.
0: Okay. I can I can, <laughs> I can say whatever
1: I want. All right. So let's move on. We're going to be talking about uh music and its effect on our psyche. Uh, in a few minutes, we've got a guest here who we, you know, in the grand tradition of this show, we ignore until we introduce them. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's sitting she, right here at the she's table. She's sitting party. right here next to us. I have
0: a stack of double stuffed Oreos so high that I can't see beyond it. Right.
1: But but basically, the way we time this show is not with a timer, but you like eat your way down that stack of That's Oreos. Exactly and right. when you can see our guest, we introduce uh-huh. them. Uh, yeah.
0: Hello. Hello. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, in
1: any way, um, we have some uh, some of our own music oh. news. Are you blowing up a balloon, Paula? For those of you who haven't listened to the last couple of shows, Paula Poundstone is under the delusion that she does balloon animals.
0: In in honor of our guest, who is here to talk about uh, music, uh,
1: which we're not getting to yet, the
0: the effect of music on our psyches. I would like to do uh, yet another balloon animal. uh, Balloon animal. Uh uh, And what is that? Balloon sculpture. Uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, all right, so that was while we're um, on the subject was, of music, uh, and you're just... that was a turtle having gas. How was that? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, very nice, very
0: nice. That was pretty
1: good, well, wasn't I'm gonna it? try to talk through your balloon animal stuff with uh, Okay, makes wait. Terrible, no, let me just say one thing. Audio. Okay, what all all are right. you no,
0: it doesn't. It's an audio medium. Oh, for oh. Christ!
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. <laughs> Right, do so, you
3: uh, even
0: want to know what that was?
3: No,
1: no, I do not. Uh, that'll be one of those mysteries that our listeners can write in about. Yeah. Um, speaking of our listeners, we've had these entries pouring in for our "Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone" theme song contest, for which, admittedly, we have established zero parameters other than send in stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> that's but but not there, true. there was one other I piece mean, of advice, yeah. is which it... is
1: reference the idea that Paula is a genius that yeah. might help you in the. I think ne- that could make it a better
0: song. It, yeah, it, don't you?
1: Well, a three. Of our listeners have taken your cue very recently let's hear a couple of them um, mike jensen did it with this very short and zippy song
2: she just made me privy to genius or info that could be life-changing.
0: He's nailed it. he
2: may hold the answers to all
1: the unknown, but nobody listens to Paula Downstone.
0: Yes. Wow. Mike yeah. Jackson, very he nice. Really nailed I want that. to
1: point out though that he didn't actually call you a genius. He said that you may be privy to genius.
0: Yeah, that was just to get the And I would point out that right I'm a... your co host. Yeah, that was. Oh, right. <laughs> so thank yeah, you, Mike. Jesse. Yeah, yeah. No, that was just to get the right syllables. He meant she's he meant a genius. He meant she's a genius. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, you could feel free to
1: clarify in, in song if you like. Uh, moving on, Christine Richardson of 14 Jazz Cats, which I guess is some kind of hep musical act. Um, they mentioned both your genius and me in her oh, lyrics. Oh, nice. So, well, I'm Nobody's
2: listening to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody's listening to me So get your coffee cup Turn the volume up Paula Poundstone's genius to me You can get your information You can get your humorization Lots of little tidbits Paula's given Adam fits, life-changing wisdom for cup turn the volume up Paula Poundstone's genius to me
0: Christine yeah, Richardson. I fantastic. like that one.
1: I like that. I'm. You're giving me fits. Yeah, I like yeah. that too. Yeah, I like the idea. Feels of a little bit you like like there's that the Paula and Adam sitcom theme. Yeah, should that ever yeah. arise?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, should yeah. it ever arise? <laughs> We're living it. Um, and then finally, we have Howard Starrett. He sent in an acapella entry, um, but he seems to know your oeuvre. My what? Your oeuvre.
2: Hey, Paula, my name is Howard. I love you. I love your show. And I thought I'd take a crack at writing a theme song for you. I wanted to do something kind of in the vein of like the the Patty Duke show or the nanny. And uh, so here it is. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, and that's a shame, because she's a genius, you know. You ought to listen to Paula Poundstone and grab some good advice to go. She'll tell you all about the troubles with a flat-screen device, scrambling your children's brains. She covers pest control, your grammar, and political strife. That shit will drive you insane. Ba-boom, boom, boom. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, but that's okay. She's got her foot in the door, so why not listen to Paula Paula Poundstone, she's awesome and she sleeps on the floor. Sick and titty-litter like a champ is part of her game. She'll refuse to let it pile up and reek. She improvises riffs about the slightly inane, brightening the whole freaking week. Pum 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 Nobody listens Whoa. to Paula so. Poundstone. And that's a shame, cause she's a genius, you know. You oughta to listen to Paula Poundstone, and Adam Felber's on every show. <laughs> so grab some good advice and let's go It's good. Good advice you want you to know. Oh my she plays ping pong. <laughs> wow. I, at this moment,
1: uh, yes. feel as insulted as the professor and Marianne <laughs> <laughs> must have felt in seasons one and two of Gilligan Island. Gilligan's Island, where when instead of being named, it was and the rest were those
3: two.
0: It's uh, just two other characters, and they were. They you were weren't named- uh, and the rest? It was Adam Felber's on every show. What a fine tribute. I don't know. After,
1: after, after what sounded like fifteen minutes of laudatory and biographical information about Paula Poundstone, you know, there's um, an Adams there too thing happening. You
0: know, the thing is, my life is rich with detail. Um, whereas you're on every show.
1: <laughs> okay, that that hurts a little bit, but um, but yeah, no, it was a great entry. And, oh my and I, gosh, I it great. Everybody to keep. Submitting these uh, theme songs, because we promise you, we are like this close to deciding what this contest is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, beyond these it are, is our these theme are, song. These
0: are some uh, acclaimed submissions. Yeah, they are at the and least. getting better and better.
1: Yeah, um, But, you,
0: you know, know, I what? recognize you from the last
1: show. You do? Yeah. You're, yeah, you're, you're well, on every show. I'm on every show. Wait, he nailed
0: it. Adam Felber's on every show. I feel like he I might have that. left out some
1: details about my life. No, um, I, but, okay. I,
0: I don't think so. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. Well, I, I was sleep listening. on the
1: floor. Agreed. To, yeah, play that's ping pong. fascinating that you play yeah. ping pong. Mm-hmm. I've played a few rounds of ping pong myself, too. Anyway, if listening to the theme songs makes us feel happy, let's try to figure out why. Because, Paula, you've noticed something that happens when you sing with other people.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if it was you and me singing together or somebody right. else. I remember, you know, you're on every show, so it might have been you. It could have been me. But there was just one other voice. Right. I mean, I sing to myself sometimes, but that doesn't do that much for me. But it was with one other voice, and we were combined, right. and I got like a, a really noticeable lift from it. And work. I completely relate to
1: that, because as I, I've told you, I've played in bands a lot in my time. I play the, the piano, and right now I have a, have a like a backyard dad band. Um, we, we, I think we're currently calling ourselves the Grateful Dads, mm-hmm. um, which is funny. I'm trying to argue with the band that a funnier name would be Dadfinger, um, which they think oh. is disgusting. And I'm like, no, it's like Badfinger, but, uh, yeah. but yeah. I'm the comedy writer in the band, so that's yeah. why. Anyway... Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, there's something about making music with other people, and so let's find and there's out.
0: There's got to be, there's got to be like a, there's got to be a reason.
1: Well, that, now that, that you've that eaten good. down that stack of double stuff Oreos, all right, we can now find out about how music affects our brain. Dr. Asal Habibi is an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Southern California, and she studied how music affects the development of the brain in early childhood. Please welcome Dr. Asal Habibi. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me.
0: Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out
1: the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're gonna do it anyway, use our code. <laughs>
4: thank you so much, <laughs> and for thank being you, Houseband
1: Amber Wyman. Doctor Habibi, why does it feel good to sing with other people?
4: Oh well, first thank you for being here. It's so wonderful. And it was wonderful to listen to those pieces of music that interest me they were really good weren't they they were uplifting yeah yeah Yeah, especially the last one collection of them now yeah (laughs) (laughs) um that's a really good question especially the last one yes because now i'll remember it forever especially because it was um merged with music so i'll have that tune going on yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. you know i've got a lot going on in my life more than just being on this show he's
4: on every show i'm sure yeah
0: so why is it Than when you sing with someone else. Because it was distinctly different than just singing by myself, which also feels good, but not great. And this felt
4: Great. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's true. Whether you sing with someone or play music with someone, um, there is a phenomenon called entrainment. That means that you synchronize your uh, rhythm of of your body, like your heart rate variability, with another Uh person uh, to their rhythm. Uh, When children play music together, we all like entrain to one beat Uh, with the structure of music. You just follow the same rhythm and beat, and that has been shown to enhance mood uh, to to help with like even in in um, clinical setting with depression with anxiety. So we see that a lot with choral singing in choirs. Uh, When people are singing together, it helps them with a lot of different uh, kind of mood enhancing variables.
0: But do they know why it does that? Like what's going on in the brain? Do we know that? Yeah, so
4: we know a little bit about that. So Uh we know that, for example, that, we like social interaction as species, as humans. Right. Uh And and we, yes. And we like to uh, synchronize with one another. So, for example, if you think about any activity that we do, for example, when we march together, it brings us together. There's a sense of cohesiveness. Uh Uh, When uh, I look, I work with children. I think Kim
0: Jong-un discovered that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Not always that. The effects are not always good. Yes. but, But
1: boy, do they have team spirit.
4: Yeah. So, Oh, for example, I study children, and when we have them um, play music together or even drum together, uh, we see them do more pro-social activity. They're more willing to share with each other. They're more compassionate towards each other. Wow. If we have a child just drum to a metronome... We yeah, don't you did see, a study about this, yeah, metronomes we don't, versus yeah, drumming versus versus together, a real right? person, yeah, yeah. And only we see that joint synchronization. So it seems that there is something about synchronizing your heart rate, synchronizing other rhythms of your brain activity with another person. So this action observation network that we have in our our brain we see something in someone and we mimic it and that actually gives us a sense of understanding them better to have a sense of empathy towards them oh, so wow. so if I'm singing with you yeah then our heart rates sink Yes, and to the structure of the music, because we both have to take a breath at the same time. Uh-huh. We have to, like, exhale at the same time. So there is some variability of the heart rate that sync with each other. So there is, like, that's one of the proposition of why we think singing can help uh, enhancement of mood. Now, are
1: there songs, styles, or rhythms that just work better than others for uplifting your mood? Like, is a shuffle beat better than waltz time? <laughs> I mean, like, what's... what's... Uh,
4: there are a lot of variables that would explain that. So there is one of the things that uh, we actually look at is that why people listen to sad music and why do people get pleasure from sad music and not everyone does there are people who like to listen to sad music and Oh well um, well,
1: i I hate to take you to a sidebar right away but is is sad music a thing that's like cross-cultural is like a minor key song always sad everywhere
4: no minor key song is not always sad everywhere dissonance is is always Dissonance is always it's, dissonance, It's a dissonance, and right. it always bothers you because there is actually in the in, inside the inner ear there is a, some uh, structure called the basilar membrane. It's special. It's, it's called the what? The basilar membrane. The basilar membrane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if um, I have another kid, that's what I'm naming him. <laughs> <them. laughs>
1: well, you can't do that. My kid's nickname is Baz.
0: Oh yeah, but no, this is. I'm saying the whole thing. Ba- this is the whole thing. Basilar membrane.
1: Basilar yeah. membrane. <laughs> poundstone, you get in here. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, go on.
4: And, and this structure is tonotopically mapped, meaning that each tone, each frequency, has a space on it. When the spaces are too close, when two tones are too close, like a minor second, which is dissonant, right. it doesn't work very well because these two areas are activated very closely to each other. And oh, that's and what like it scrapes. sounds. Yes, yeah, okay. it just uh-huh. really sounds horrible when you listen to it. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of like the physiological background. In every culture, that will be true. The minor key is not always true. If you are born, let's say, in India, and always exposed to that music and okay. that system of music, that doesn't necessarily make you sad. And even in West- so the
1: keys are cultural, but dissonance is... Correct, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and um, I the other day I was trying to explain to Paula, maybe you can back me up, about how octaves are perceived as the same note because of the way they look on an oscilloscope. And at first she looked confused, and then I thought she was kind of going to tear my face off like a chimp might, angrily.
0: <laughs> no, um, I was never going to tear your face off. Really? Okay. Yeah, because okay. you're on every show, I need sure. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not working with some faceless guy. Some right, yeah, that would be disturbing a, a for you. A faceless guy in the crowd. A um, life. Now, if you uh, listen to a lot of music
1: educators, yeah, they will tell you that music education is important because it opens up your brain to other learning. And yeah. I guess our question is, is that should we take that as something that is true, or that the music department needs more glockenspiels?
4: No, I think that-
0: <laughs> Yeah. You know, years ago I did a private job for an association of music stores that sell instruments. Okay. And they had they had a calendar that was their calendar that went out to all their members. And one of the most beloved sacred dates on their calendar was the anniversary of the birth of the man who got schools to include in the 4th grade getting their instrument. And, okay. and taking an instrument. Because like, in their world, they bow down to that man. Because you go to school, and it's not like with cooking. It's not like there's pots and pans salespeople, right. where in the fourth grade, you choose your pots. Well, m- um,
1: music people feel very, very uh, strongly about that. And I guess the question well, I mean, that I, I was trying to ask. I mean, I think it's
0: important to have music in schools. But uh, the point is, this was a guy that made, like, every kid. Like, I used to play the flute. Because my sister played the flute, and, and so my parents bought it, right. and then I was stuck playing the flute. Do you see what I'm saying? There was a person that got to sell that flute to my parents because of the birth of that man who connected it up with the schools. That was an interesting detour. Now, um, Amber. <laughs> you're on
1: <laughs> Amber, every week. I <laughs> every week you're on. <laughs> Asal, or Dr. Habibi. Going <laughs> back to uh, the question. Yes. Um, now, and th- and th- now we're learning the reason why I'm on every week. Um, (laughs) What does music do for the developing brain? Does it really help?
4: Yes, it does help. We now have very good evidence that it helps children with cognitive skills, meaning language, memory, uh, learning a second language, attention. They also, uh, in our research, we actually have very good evidence that it shows them with um, tasks and skills that we don't think about, like impulse control. So when children learn how to play music, they're better at inhibiting themselves of doing something immediately in favor of something better in the future. Oh, so we it helps test with them impulse like, control. Yeah. See? No, I didn't stick with the flute. Can you tell?
0: <laughs> yeah, that
1: really shows. Yeah. That really shows. I
0: should have stuck with the flute. I didn't. He, oh. You
1: wouldn't need me if you'd stuck with the flute. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> I think of as my little
0: piccolo. Um, wow. That's that's really interesting. Uh, so it, it helps with... Uh, Impulse control.
4: Yeah, impulse control. And also, we have evidence that it actually changes their brain. We see more connectivity between the right and left side of the brain of children who have had music training compared to the ones who don't have music training. And
1: what is the what is the what advantage of having yes. more connectivity? So, beside, the two between sides the right. of
4: the brain communicate with each other a right. lot. So, when you have a highway Mine that sense. has... email. Yeah. <laughs> 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 allows more connection and allows more communication. You can integrate information better. You can hold multiple ideas in your head. It's probably helps with creativity. So makes sure it more creative and flexible thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: when would you, do you think kids should learn, start learning an instrument so that they can forge those pathways between their right yeah. and left brains and they,
4: the, the research shows be, be between ages five to seven is okay. the most important, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't expose a child to music before age five. Oh, I'm not letting my kids yeah. hear
1: anything until they're nine. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's,
2: it's
1: just that's dangerous a good out idea. There. Yeah.
4: Why a does a song music. get stuck in your head? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, and it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you would just speak directly You don't even have to answer. just the microphone while you say that and we could record. That's a really good question. Thank you. Ingenious
4: uh, question. Uh, oh, there uh, yeah. you go. Wow. Yeah. There's a uh, work around uh, that's been done on this a lot. So we know that music tends to get encoded. Like memories of music tend to get encoded with more emotions because you experience more emotions when you listen to music. A lot of like affective systems and uh, emotion systems of the brain are active. So uh-huh. it seems that that has something to do with the remembrance of that uh-huh. song. Um, and and you kind of connect with it. So the encoding of it is stronger and the retrieval of it would be stronger too. Um, it's kind of a, a phenomenon called the earworm. So you kind of keep listening to this song over and over and it doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, I don't know of really any research that shows how to get rid of it. Right, because that's what
1: I would like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was sitting around, um, I was I was working on this TV show recently and I was sitting around the table just the other day and somebody Burst out with, and I'm sorry to do this to all of you. She's just sitting there, and she goes, "We built this city," which is that Starship song, "We sure. Built the City" in rock and roll. And yeah. I just despise that song, and I think it's going to take me another year and a half before I get that out of my head.
0: <laughs> when my kids were in like preschool, they used to. There was a song that the teacher used. It was, um, <clears throat> the kids would. Uh, behave like a particular animal mm-hmm. uh, physically and then they would sing animal election is so much fun and that sticks in your head and I don't remember any other words of it and I never did but they would you know uh, so I would sing it to them every so often because I knew that if I sang it once it would rattle around up there like a bullet in a tank for a really long time <laughs> it was sort of a cruel thing that I would do to my children animal election so, yeah, that's, so that's much that's fun. a form of torture really yeah it was kind of a yeah okay but yeah. <laughs> so you don't
1: have an answer for that There's but no I reason.
4: don't have why, an answer why? of getting rid of it there I mean no we terror. just know that when you listen to music multiple systems of the brain are active. It's like uh-huh. you have, you activate the memory system, the emotion system, the, yeah. the motor sensory systems of yeah. the brain. So this kind of like multiple activation helps with encoding a song a lot oh, more I stronger see. than so just hearing a sentence. particular songs sort of fire up the
0: memory rumba And uh, it's going around up there. like Roomba. "Eh." Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. And next thing you know, not rumba, rumba. Roomba. And uh, next thing you know, you can't get rid of it. You got to take it apart.
4: And And it just
1: keeps banging on the side. Yeah.
0: (laughs)
4: Yeah. You got to take it apart and clean out the filter. It's helpful to remember the memories with the music. So, like, for example, in patients with dementia, you can expose them to the music that they have a connection with from, like, 20, 30 years ago, and it actually does help bring autobiographical memory back. That oh, and typically- now, we want to get to
1: Dimension in a minute, but I want to say, like, sometimes yeah. you don't want them, because, like, honestly to God, my only memory of we built this city, they're all very strong memories, but they're all the same memory, which is like trying not to hear that anymore. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. You don't associate it with a time in your life when you were working no, somewhere? No,
1: I, I associate it with a time in my life, which is every time I've ever heard that song, to kind of wanting it to go away. Huh. Yeah.
0: We but let's get to dementia because this is
1: an interesting topic to both me and Paula because I have,
0: we built I have, this city. we've both
1: volunteered in. Would you stop that?
0: We built this city <laughs> on rock and, rock and roll. roll. Built yeah. this city. Oh yeah. God, I hate Animal action is so much. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna
1: knock that out. So Paula and I have both um, volunteered or worked with um, Alzheimer's patients. So yeah. tell us about what dementia, how dementia and music work together.
4: Yeah, so again, one helps uh, the other. yeah, no, it's, uh, we have now research showing that you could use music because again, when you listen to music, and you have an experience of a life experience, that experience and memory gets encoded with a, a lot more richer with a lot more kind of like um details into it, because right. you activate the affective system of the brain. So if you play the music of during the time that you really For example, like you were in the 20s and you really Mm -hmm. were engaged with music when Somebody is suffering from dementia. That music tends to bring back a lot of memories that the person with dementia does not have access to. Mm-hmm. And the hypothesis is that because we have kind of like an extra help here, it's not that you just have to access the memory directly. You have you have access to a memory that is being encoded with a lot of emotions and affect, oh. and music kind of helps that mediation. It literally
1: takes them back mentally to a yes. place where they were yeah. before. Yeah,
4: exactly. Oh, that's really interesting. And then uh, it's it helps them remember those events. It helps them to, it It uh, enhances mood. It helps a lot with depression associated with Alzheimer's wow. and dementia. So this uh, music therapy for dementia seems to be a very effective way without, I mean, in conjunction with other therapies.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: really interesting.
4: Yeah. It's like in Ratatouille
0: when the food reviewer. Eats the ratatouille, and, and then he's brought back. back to his boyhood? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very much right. like that. Yeah,
1: I guess what we're saying is music does that even better than... Than, Ra-
0: than ratatouille? Than
1: ratatouille. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because I, I will point out that that beloved Pixar film is not necessarily
0: scientifically valid. It's a Pixar film. All right. Um, well,
1: thank you, Dr. Asal Habibi, for tuning up our brains. You didn't believe brains. up? You didn't believe in Up? I, I, I believe in the movie Up. I don't believe that, for instance, you can relocate your home with balloons. I yeah. don't even believe that you can make balloon animals. And <laughs> uh, here we go again. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Habibi, thank you so much. And Paula, when you're done inflating that balloon, um, can you give our listeners uh, some advice about music and their brains?
0: Hey, Amber, could you give us a little house band bassoon music behind my summary of what I learned about the brain and music? The basilar membrane is part of the inner ear that has spaces between it for different frequencies. Notes sound dissonant when two are too close together and can't be distinguished. The basilar membrane is also my youngest son's new name. We built this city. We built this city. When you make music with someone else, you experience a brain phenomenon called entrainment. It can also happen with marching. So a marching band must be all but fused together after Stars and Stripes forever. We built this city.
2: Music fires
0: up emotion systems in the brain, which is why songs trip memories so easily. On rock and roll. So someday, I'm going to remember this night. Okay. Wow. Dr. Asal Habibi is Assistant Professor of Psychology
1: at the University of Southern California. Thanks so much for being on our show.
2: <laughs>
1: the Cat of the Week is Hobbs from West Salem, Ohio. And we're back. So happy to be back. How would you describe your uh, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. How would you describe your driving skills?
0: My driving skills? Yes. I suck at yeah, driving. You're, you're not, you're not particularly I'm, people good. People honk and yell at me all the The truth is I I arrive at the Ray Horseman Studios in Scenic Miranda
1: Miranda Street, Miranda yeah. Street, which we haven't even talked about tonight, by the way.
0: No. Uh, this is not a great
1: neighborhood to drive in or indeed breathe in
0: no, but I come like I come an hour early so that you guys can't see me parallel park, really. Yeah, I'm Is that, that bad, bad at it. Yeah, it's now, ugly. And I think a lot of times, you know, I'm pretty sure I've seen drug deals going down while I'm here. Yeah. And people are sort of try to you know, get off the street quickly because they do their thing and then they move away. Right. But a lot of times they stop and stare for a few minutes when they see. They even put their heads out the window sometimes from right. their homes when they see Well, you me could parking. Conceivably they're like, she's be... here again.
1: Right. You could conceivably be a cop. Who's just no, no bad one at thinks you're a cop. Okay, Nobody no one thinks you're a cop. No, no. And no. I've noticed this about you is you always keep on your bumper when you drive a student driver sticker.
0: I do. Yeah, I, I, or, or I have magnet. A, I have a student driver sticker on the back of my car just to keep people away from me.
1: Really? That's yeah. that's really why you do it. Yep, yeah,
0: it is. Because uh, I'm not a good driver, and I know that. I don't. It doesn't improve my driving at all to have you guys honk and yell. I so, already know I'm an asshole. In fact, you don't know the half of it. Is what I always say. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk to uh, you know to somebody who could answer my driving skill
1: question. Yeah, you definitely have some issues around driving, so let's see if an expert can help you resolve some of those questions. This jo- expert
0: that I've totally ignored until up until this moment—you've
1: just about eaten a pile of double stuffs down. That's right. To reveal, Josh Mendoza, a driving instructor at the Melrose Driving School, he seems to have successfully driven himself here into our. Very friendly neighborhood. Please welcome Josh Mendoza.
0: Hey,
3: Josh. Thanks Hi. so
0: much for being here. Well, thanks
3: for having me. This is pretty exciting. Oh,
0: okay. oh, you gotta aim higher, Josh.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh,
1: the the one is the one question that launched us off on this a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about topics for the show. Is Josh. What do you do at a four-way stop? Because Paula is convinced that there is no answer to this question. She thinks this is a chicken and egg thing.
0: No, I know the answer in the book. I could answer it on a written test. What I can't do is apply that practically because it's, it's a ridiculously written rule. It's uh, whoever gets there first or uh, the person on the right has a right of way. We all are on the right. It's a square.
3: Yeah, see, the thing is it's that rule really only applies if, let's say, two or three cars show up at the same time. Right. So if, like, let's say if two or three cars show up at the same time, then whoever's like most to the right that's like right on the street, that's the person that goes first. Then, you know, it's like the hands of a clock. Then it's like the person that's next right. And then the last person that's left. What so, if all
1: four show up at the same time?
3: See, that's wow. tricky. So see, in that situation, then it's whoever has like the gumption, the like, to just kind of, you know, ease up a little and say, yeah. hey, I'm the person. OK, so I'll go. It's a little flip. Then, yeah, so it's so it's, goes, yeah,
0: it's a little wild so west. Right, sort of. Right? Yeah. So the third and, thing- wh- and
3: what if two people pull up opposite each other? That, n- then they're both equally on each other's rights. Right. See, that's the thing is, is yeah. that it doesn't really matter if it depends on, like, let's say one person's going straight or one person's turning left or right, then it just right. depends on yeah what happens. Right. So, so basically
0: the law as it's written, the rule as it's written doesn't really apply most of the time.
3: No. Yeah. no, not really
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't but How seem often tricky do you pull up to a stop sign Exactly when somebody else does But the other thing is when Well, I don't know And part of the reason I don't know is because I'm very busy in my car I, So uh, you're not even looking I don't really know if anyone pulled up at the same time as me or not You know? Josh, is that the mark of a good driver?
3: No, definitely not a good mark <laughs> for a driver.
0: I think I see what you're saying Here's the thing though I have music in my car I like to listen to music in my car Uh huh A lot of people do. I like to get a... I have a soda. Yeah. And... um, We found
1: out the other day that you occasionally will keep an open container of oatmeal... Yeah I, do, right, yeah, I took right.
0: Yeah,
3: Josh, like, how's that? How's that for smarts? It's not great science, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it's a lot of red flags. Yeah. yeah.
0: Red flags. <laughs> now, see, I would stop at a red flag.
3: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay let's get to some You know,
0: when I go at a four-way stop, I go when the guy behind me seems pissed. <laughs> That's how I've done it for years. Probably
1: I just, exactly not when you're supposed to I know. I know. It's a until, bad reason. I wait until
0: there's a guy behind me and he kind of leans on his and I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and would, sometimes you have to wait a really long time. For yeah. someone to pull up behind you.
1: <laughs> oh, so you will yeah. actually wait until somebody gets mad at you.
0: Absolutely. I just want it to not be my fault when it happens. I like to delegate, I guess. That's yeah, what Josh, I'm not
1: even going to ask you if that's a good idea. <laughs> of course um, it's a good idea. Okay, so how does somebody nail parallel parking every time? Let's move on to specifics.
3: Yeah. See, the thing is, is that you kind of have to be really familiar with the length of your car. You have to be you know, really like in tune with your car to know if like, you see a spot that's on the street and realize, okay, wait, you know, I can totally fit my car in. Um, so you really get to know, A, the length of your car, B... Mm-hmm. When you pull up next to a car, how do you do
0: that? Do you like stretch out beside your car? (laughs) How (laughs) do you get to you? Like you lay across the roof? uh, You you just lay across. You get in tune with the length of your car.
3: You it's just practice Uh practice over and over again, getting a feel for a car, like your balance, your spacing, and then you'll be able to determine throughout time. Like okay, you know what that spot that I see there on the street? Sure, I can go ahead and just pull up next to a car and then back into it. So you pull up
0: next to a car. I got that part. Yeah. How far up do you pull? Do you put your grill parallel to his grill? No.
3: See, that's no. too far. Okay. See, once you start backing up, then you might end up smashing the car that you just pulled up. You put your rear view
1: mirror parale- uh, alongside his rearview mirror? That's I, how
3: I was taught. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I usually Sorry. tell students is actually pull up your, where your rearview mirror lines up with the window of the driver. Oh, so the window of the
0: driver yeah, and the my rear oh. mirror. Right. So that's that good because
3: I'm often a little too far
1: forward with my mirror to mirror thing. I know, you drive a bike. <laughs> I also drive a car. You
0: ride a bike. That's Have you ever ridiculous. tried to park a bike a parallel yeah, park a bike? Yeah, you don't parallel park a bike. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> detail about me beyond yeah. I'm, on, yeah, I'm on, the on the show. That.
0: Yeah, you're on the show. You're on the show every week. And also, you parallel park your bike. Okay, no, no, sorry to interrupt, parker. Josh. <laughs> no, no, um, no, no, no. You know no, what no. happened? I, I I, became impulsive because I haven't played an instrument recently. Well, <laughs>
1: maybe you should have thought of that when you were younger. Yeah. Um, now, Josh, what is the most common driving mistake that drives you nuts? Like, everybody makes this mistake, and you were like, if you could talk to the people of America, because this Wait is sure your chance. Wait a minute, sure you didn't chance.
0: finish the parallel parking. So you pull <laughs> <Wait>. up <laughs> with your, you pull up. Yeah. You, you got a little impulsive there, buddy. I, well, you and I don't what? know why, because I've played on. the piano since I was six. Yeah, I have a harmonica here here for you in my pocket why don't you uh so um all right really so you pull means. up just you could play an instrument and that would help you with your imp- impulsivity all right so you pull up uh, <laughs> with your rear view mirror no your side view mirror
3: your rear view mirror alongside the driver's side window of the car that you're pulling up against the side view mirror or the rear view mirror the, their window their side window like the driver's side window yeah right so well, you which pull mirror up your right rear view mirror
0: my right rear view... No, you mean the right side view mirror. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't have a right rear view mirror. <laughs> right, It's just, you're just right. the one rear view mirror. Right. Okay, okay, so your side view mirror... I got it now. This is not confusing at all. <laughs> it so you really got isn't. your side view mirror pulled up to the driver's window. But right. not touching it. But not, not touching, touching it, it no. no. But you tap and try to get him no, to roll you it down. <laughs> no,
1: no. You don't need to get <laughs> yeah. that close.
0: You probably wonder why I pulled my side view mirror up to your car, don't you? I'm barking behind you. That's right. That's right. Right. I'm parallel and Watch this, buddy. <laughs>
3: and then what does she do? And then after that, you just, once you put the car into reverse, move the steering wheel first all the way to the right. So then once you start backing up, the car will, automatically start heading into the space. Yeah, okay, that I got. But see, what
0: I never do right is when you begin to reverse the wheel the other way, I always get that wrong. And then what happens is I'm parked about maybe a foot and a half from the curb, not nearly tucked in enough. It sounds
1: like you're cutting the wheel too early.
0: And I think I might be cutting the wheel too early. (laughs) (laughs) Something tells me I'm cutting the wheel too early. Something. Or someone. Or someone. Um, So then, yeah, I'm sticking out like that. Right. And then I can't and then all I can do is do the the exact same thing I just did over and over again. I cannot get out of the space and I cannot get into the
3: space. Right. Do you
0: see the pain in my face? Josh, do yes. you understand the kind of difficulty this is creating? I totally understand. So <laughs> you cut the wheel and you go all the way back until your tires hit the curb?
3: No. See, that's way too late. See the thing? Oh, see, so I'm cutting it fun. too late. Or you are your tires
1: hitting the curb, you didn't get to that part.
0: Oh yeah, my tires hit the curb. <laughs>
1: Okay, because I thought you were too far away from the curb.
0: Eventually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all right. So you so you don't hit the curb.
3: No, no, no. You once you start backing up, it's once you <laughs> see that the back of your car is starting to head towards where the curb is, then that's your cue to start bringing the wheel back.
0: Wait, when is your cue?
3: Your cue is when, when you look at your right side mirror when you see that the back of your car is heading towards the curb, not actually hitting it, but when it's heading towards the curb, that's.